What does guacamole have to do with financial independence? What's the distinction between financial independence versus financial freedom? What costs do you truly need? Which ones are mandatory? Which ones are discretionary? Which ones are fixed? Which ones are variable? How do we wrap our heads around the complicated notions of managing our money and ultimately reaching financial freedom? Here to talk about all of that today is Jamila Soufrant, the host of Journey to Launch, one of the most popular personal finance and financial independence podcasts. She is also a certified financial education instructor. Did I get that right? You did. <laughs> Excellent. Certified financial education instructor and formerly worked at MetLife, where she managed uh, millions of dollars worth of real estate assets. Welcome to the Afford Anything podcast, the show that understands you can afford anything, but not everything. Every choice that you make is a trade-off against something else. And that doesn't just apply to your money. That applies to your time, your focus, your attention, your energy, to any limited resource that you need to manage. And that opens up two questions. First, what matters most? And second, how do you make decisions accordingly? Answering these two questions is a lifetime practice. And that's what this podcast is here to explore and facilitate. I'm Paula Pant, the host of this show, and we will dive right in with this conversation. Hi, Jamila. Hi, Paula. It's great to have you here. Thank you for coming. It's an honor. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's kick off with what does guacamole have to do with financial independence? When I first started my journey to financial independence, and I'll know we'll get more into that background, mm -hmm. I was focused on the numbers a lot. And mm -hmm. I was focused on how much I can save and invest, and that involved cutting back in areas, which meant cutting out things that I actually enjoyed doing. And while I made significant progress in the beginning of my journey, saving and investing tons of money, at a point I realized when I went out, you know, I was thinking too much about enjoying something very simple and very worth it. But I would spend minutes, you know, mm. agonizing on, oh, should I buy the guacamole? It's $10 or $12. Right. And as I started going further into my journey, I made a decision and I've been making those decisions ever since that I want to order the guacamole. Right. <laughs> I want to be able to enjoy the journey. It's not just about getting to the number. And so when I thought about how to relay that for other people, where they could be engaged in the conversation. You know, like you as a podcaster, you'll have people who never really consider the idea of financial independence until you say it or he they hear you talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, how can I break it down to what I call guac levels in my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom? Mm -hmm. And I figured that if we can get people to understand the lifestyle choices in a simple but silly guac level of mm -hmm. range that I have from one to five, it can help them make more intentional decisions on how they want to live their lives and the cost and trade-off is going to cost them in order to live that guac level lifestyle they want. The, the guac. So it's, it's like going to Chipotle and being like, I get that guac is extra. I want it. Yes. Let's go through guac levels one through five. What is level one? Okay. So, and by the way, if you don't like guac, because I have a friend who hates guacamole and avocados <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, replace it with something else, maybe wine, cheese, right. any other thing that you may like. But the guac levels range from one to five. Guac level one is your most frugal, basic way of thinking of spending. So you would never buy guacamole at a restaurant. Mm. It will never be worth it. You would make it at home. Mm. You wouldn't probably even buy it at the store. Right. So it's very frugal. Right. And guac level five is the most extravagant. And so that is where you, I joke around, you'd have a guac factory. You <laughs> right. have a chef that makes you guacamole at your, your whim. And so it's the most expensive mm. way to look at, you know, the, on the spectrum of spending. Right. And then you have the levels in between. So mm -hmm. guac level one, two, three, four, five. And as you travel up the guac levels, the more money you would spend. And then that equates to how much you need to reach financial independence. Mm, so it's sort of like lean fire, fat fire in a sense. Yeah. And what strikes me when I hear it is that guac level seems largely psychological or behavioral rather than means tested, right? Um, there are some people who have credit card debt, but they still get the guacamole at Chipotle. There are some people who have way, way more than they would ever reasonably spend and they still won't let themselves get the guacamole. Yeah. And, you know, it's also 
it's not a your guac level actually there's the overall guac level life you live and then mm-hmm. you can actually be a guac level one in certain areas of your life and more of a guac level four in other areas mm-hmm. so for example you may be a person like me i may be considered cheap when it comes to certain things um you know maybe buying clothes or certain items i just don't care that much about right and so maybe i'm more like guac level two it's not that big a deal but maybe for vacations or doing things for my kids, I'm more of a guac level four. Right. And so there is a little distinction. And the interesting thing, I think, for people and what I want to bring out is when you can identify your guac level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are different points. Like, what is your true desired level and lifestyle that you want to live? Mm. And are you currently living it? Some people, like what I was doing in the beginning, I changed what I wanted my guac level to be mm-hmm. so that I could reach my desired financial goals. And so I lived more like a guac level one and two, mm. but that wasn't sustainable because really deep inside, I wanted to be more guac level three and four. It can lend and let you understand why maybe the journey has been difficult or you haven't been able to get on board with cutting back in the way you want. And it doesn't right. make anything right or wrong. There's no right or wrong guac level. Right. <laughs> really? I mean, there are people who live a guac level one and love it. They wouldn't mm-hmm. choose anything else. It's fine. Yeah. And so the important thing is, are you living a guac level that you enjoy? Mm. And if you're not, are you doing it as a means to get to another level in your financial journey? And are you living a guac level that you can afford, which is keeping you stuck earlier in what I call the journeyer stages of your journey where you can't progress in the way you want. Actually, let's go to those stages because you've got five stages of the financial independence journey or financial freedom journey. Actually, before we even go to those stages, what is the distinction as you see it between financial independence and financial freedom? Yes. So financial independence is the way that you talk about it, how we talk about it in the FIRE community. It is the amount that you have that you don't need to work ever again actively for money. Mm-hmm. You can live off of your investments, which I know that when people first hear that, it, it sounds amazing, but also, wow, that's a very audacious goal to meet. Right. And financial freedom is not for me tied to a number. Mm. It's a feeling. It's it's options, it's flexibility. Mm. So you can have financial freedom without being a millionaire, without having your FI number reached, with still being in debt. It's your ability to make choices from a more empowered space. So, you know, the fact that you can pay your debt, even if you can't pay above it, you've experienced a level of financial freedom someone else doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Or your ability to go out with friends on the fly, right? And kind of outside your budget. Mm-hmm. That's a level of freedom. So I, I say you can experience freedom mm-hmm. on your way to financial independence. Again, it goes back to that distinction between what's psychological and what's sort of means tested. It sounds as though FI is maybe a bit more means tested. It's having 25 times your annual expenses in the way that you define it. And financial freedom is more psychological, that feeling of freedom. Right. I needed to be clear about how I would use it because I know people use it interchangeably. Even I sometimes still do uh, because it's so easy to be interchanged. And I just, from my experience so far on the journey, and I think more people will get on board (laughs) with this journey to financial independence Mm -hmm. if they could understand and realize that freedom could be achieved on the journey too. So let's talk about the journey. You, You break out five different stages of the journey, starting from explorer and going all the way through cadet, aviator, commander, and captain. Walk us through these five stages. Right. The reason why I broke it down into stages was because I wanted to meet people where they were. When I first started listening to podcasts like yours and my and starting my journey, I just, this big number, this big goal was amazing. But I realized so many people, while I thought I could reach it and I was going to attempt it, that I knew that if they heard this, they'd say, well, what about me? Like, I'm, I'm starting from a place where I have a lot of debt. So I said, the journey to financial independence is a marathon. Right. How do we break it out into sprints within sprints within sprints? And based on my experience, all the people I've interviewed, the people who have reached financial independence, I broke it down into five stages. So the mm-hmm. five stages go like this. The first stage is called the explorer stage, the mm-hmm. explorer journey or stage. That is the stage in which you are working on becoming financially stable. Hmm. So you can't pay your expenses or maybe your even minimum debt payments without going into the red, without having maybe to lean on credit cards. Hmm. And so your goal or mission in this stage is to become financially stable. Hmm. Once you're financially stable, the next stage is called the cadet stage. That is the debt freedom stage, getting out of debt. Hmm. And I usually just 
include consumer debt in this stage because as we know, mortgages and student loans can be enormous. And for someone to spend you know, all their decades in that stage can just right. feel just overwhelming. So really just consumer debt, credit cards, or any debt you want to include in that stage. Right. The high interest debt that really weighs over your head. Right. Mm-hmm. So your goal in that stage is to get rid of that consumer debt. Once you do that, you can move to the third stage. That's the aviator stage. This stage is where you're working on financial security. So now you can decide where your money goes because you paid off the consumer debt. So you can decide and ramp up your investments and build up your assets because you want to reach financial security. In this stage, you can even decide, you know, I actually want to spend more on discretionary spending and not as much on building assets. Once you come to a place where you are financially secure, again, it's going to be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. You can move to the next stage which is called the commander stage. It's the work flexible stage. That's the stage I'm currently in. Uh And it means that work becomes flexible. You have not reached a point where you never have to work again, Mm -hmm. but you have enough where you can take a break, quit your job, maybe, you know, start a family, become an entrepreneur and try something different. You have more options. You have more flexibility and work is flexible. Mm. And the fifth and final stage is the captain stage. That is where you've reached the mountaintop. You've reached financial independence and you don't need to work anymore. Mm. That's an interesting distinction. So the fourth stage is work flexible and the fifth is work optional. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And financial independence for many, I think it's a it's a privileged journey, mm-hmm. quite honestly, meaning in order to get to that point, not only do you need to have things working in your favor, the income, you know, being able to manage your expenses. But that can be a harder goal to reach for the majority of the population, you know, based on all the all the circumstances. I truly believe that this level four journey, a level four, the commander stage is a stage everyone can reach. Hmm. So maybe not where you never have to work again, but you can walk away from a job or a partner or person that is not healthy or sustaining to your joy. Right. And giving you more flexibility. And so that's why it's like, yes, I'm encouraging everyone to embark upon the full journey, but realizing that they get the benefits on the way. Right. So it can be a journey to financial freedom or to financial independence. Right. But in that sense, everyone can reach financial freedom, that sense of freedom to be able to 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 make choices that have some flexibility. And, you know, the thing about it is it's to me a fail proof goal. Because while you are setting your sights on this big, you know, goal, I call it the moon goal, right? You're shooting for the moon. Maybe you calculated that you needed your FI number to be 1 million or 2 million based on your lifestyle and your guac level. And you say, okay, I want to reach this in 10 years or 15 years. Right. And then, you know, you go on the journey, you do all the things. And then in 10 or 15 years, instead of having that million, you have, let's say, 400,000 or 500,000. Is that really a failure based on if you never started the journey, you wouldn't even have that much? Exactly. So I really want to encourage people like it's you can't fail here because you're going to put yourself in a better position regardless of what happens. Mm, Right. It reminds me that that saying, shoot for the moon if you miss your among the stars. Yeah, you may as well set some big, big audacious goals because what's the worst that can happen? You make it 70% to goal? Yeah. Cool. Great. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, so what are some of the next really big goals that you're saving for? Maybe you're saving for a down payment on a home, maybe you're saving to buy your next car in cash or to at least make a pretty big down payment on your next car. Maybe you're saving for a kid's college fund or for your own college fund. Well, there's an app called Monarch that makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. 
Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Paula. Monarch has a very simple, intuitive design. They have loads of built-in features that help you collaborate with your spouse or partner, with your financial advisor. You, know, you can invite them to your account at no extra cost. They'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. You can customize it to look exactly like you want it to look like. You can customize the types of notifications that you get. You know, I've set mine up so that I only see the big ticket stuff. I personally don't want to see the little things. I just want to see big ticket items. So I've set up my notifications accordingly. But you can do it however you prefer. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can make it your own. And Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Paula. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Paula for your extended 30-day free trial. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search, it's to match. And you can do that with Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform that has over 350 million global monthly visitors. It allows you to schedule, screen, and message so that you can connect with candidates faster. And beyond just hiring faster, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, which means Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Whenever I hire somebody inside of Afford Anything, I'm doing so because we are already overloaded with work. We have way too much on our plates, and so we need to hire so that somebody can start taking some of that stuff off of our plates. But hiring itself is added workload on top of already busy workload. So it's great to have a platform like Indeed that helps you hire faster and find higher quality matches. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Paula. Just go to Indeed.com slash Paula right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Paula. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You talked about income and you outline here kind of six components, income being one of them that a person really needs to grapple with as they are starting this journey towards financial freedom or financial independence, work flexibility or work optionality. Income is one expenses, liabilities, mindset, and habits. Let's start with the first four, the four tangible ones, your income, your expenses, your assets, your liabilities. Depending on where people are, I've often, at least anecdotally, either their struggle is, they feel as though the struggle is on the income side, or they feel as though the struggle is on the expense side. First of all, how do you make a good assessment, a person listening, how would they make a good assessment about that within themselves? Yeah. So what you're referring to is what I call in the book, the FI formula, and mm -hmm. there are components to it. And I think at the very basic level, we understand that, or you want people to understand that their income minus their expenses leaves money, hopefully left over where that's where they reach for their financial goals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I realized that for a lot of people, like it's more, it's more involved than that. Like people know they maybe should budget or be more savvy with certain things and they they just don't do it for whatever reason, right? And so why is that? There are what I call tangible components and then intangible components, things you can really measure mm -hmm. and are action oriented. So they are increasing your income, optimizing your expenses, increasing your assets and paying down your liabilities. Mm -hmm. And those are part of the components of the formula. Right. They're quantifiable. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah. can like literally sit down right now and like open the accounts and write those numbers down of mm -hmm. those things. And then there are two intangible components that make the tangible possible and sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that's your mindset and your habits. Right. And so many times we want to start at the doing, the work, like we want to make more, we want to like spend less and do all the things because, you know, you want to take action when the work really starts within, like mm -hmm. it is the, it's how we feel about ourselves, about our, our environment, 
our ability to achieve our goals, and then what we do every day to help us get there. So for a person, you know, you thinking and reflecting on where they are currently and what's been maybe preventing them from moving through now what they know are the journey or stages, mm-hmm. you know, it's really assessing what is happening here. Why can't I get ahead? And some of it may be circumstances outside of your control. I make a lot of allowances for life right. because but life happened to me too. I wanted to have having kids and having more flexibility mattered more than the money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it took me longer to reach financial independence, that was fine. And so outside of the things you can't control, what are you noticing as patterns or why can't you reach whatever goals you set for yourself? And some people truly have an income problem. Like mm-hmm. if you sit down and you look at your expenses and you're doing the best you can, and you know, a lot of people are doing the best they can, but yeah. Wages could typically, you know, be low if they're not making enough and maybe they have a lot of responsibility. Then it's it is a journey of trying to increase your income. That's more important than trying to get your expenses to zero when you probably are doing the best you can there. Right. And then some people can have an expenses issue where they don't have any control or around how they spend. The interesting thing about the stages, so, you know, I talked about the earlier stages, the uh, explorer stage and the cadet stage, all these stages. You know, you can make a lot of money and still be in the explorer stage. It's not based mm. on necessarily your income. Mm. But the person who is making a lot of money and they don't have an income problem can leapfrog or get through these stages faster mm-hmm. than a person who truly has an income problem. Mm. So it is important to realize what the gaps are, what what is missing or where you are falling short, not in a negative way. I always like to be positive in this, but because If you do have an income problem or all the like tangible problems, it's most likely stemming from one of the intangible issues outside Mm. of the things that you cannot control. Mm. So, you know, if you cannot earn more, Mm -hmm. is it a mindset thing where you deep down, you don't think you deserve to earn more? You haven't put yourself in a position to earn more, right? Like it's taking some accountability for what has happened. Also, though, giving yourself grace for the things that you couldn't have possibly, you know, known when you were in college and people kind of push credit cards on you and all these things. Going back to how sometimes people with a very high income can be in the explorer stage, right? That very first stage. What I'm hearing is high income is itself not sufficient to pull you through this journey. But it does help, you know, if you have it. Yeah. What would you say to the people who are listening who are currently struggling with an income problem? Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about um, my protege, Lindsay, from the documentary Get Smart With Money. Mm. She was a very hard worker, but she just didn't make very much, right? She was a server. She lived on tips. She made about 50000 a year, right, at living in Austin, Texas. Um, what would you say to, to somebody like Lindsay? Right. These stages that I talked about. Mm-hmm. They take time to go through. Yeah. So someone with a, who can maybe change their outlook and mindset and habits and have great income, like I said, can leap forward maybe quickly through them. Someone like maybe Lindsay, who they have an income problem, their circumstances that are outside their control in a way where they're not earning as much as they can, but they've been trying, is realizing that this is not going to be an overnight change. Right. That you know, when we talk about the components and working on the components to get you to your goal, fixing or increasing your income can take months or years Mm -hmm. and it can take time. And so if it's not happening right away or you haven't figured out what your thing is yet, that's okay. So I think the expectation also has to be realistic Mm -hmm. depending on what you have going for you, what your privileges are or what your detriments are, what is not going well for you. Ultimately, it's about having grace for yourself if you are at a lower income and mm-hmm. having patience mm. and then, you know, doing some work, obviously, and making sure whatever time it takes and you know, you're know, you going to have to try and test a lot of things that you're not when things don't work or when you're not making the income right away that you're not just giving up. I'll go back a little bit. My origin story, in a way, speaks to someone more like a Lindsay or someone even even that doesn't have as much money. And that's really through my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom immigrated here from the island of Jamaica and she had me at 20 years old. So she had me pretty young and she was a single mom. And I was born in Jamaica. She had to leave me behind like many immigrants do coming, you know, to this land to try to better better themselves. Mm. And she literally came here with nothing. Mm. And she for a long time, you know, she had to work 
through and put herself in a better position to try to have this foundation that she's created where I now had a better start than she did. And so she didn't come here and make money, you know, quickly or overnight. It took her years. It took decades Mm. to go through and get her associates and then finally get her bachelor's and then, you know, her master's. And so I think that it really is a long game, Mm -hmm. but I think it's more how the person feels within that long game or the marathon. And so many people just don't feel good for good reason about that. Right. And it's encouraging them and showing them other people who have done something that they can relate to and aspire to be. Mm. How do you stay motivated throughout that long game? You know, so I think about what's your why and your why not. You know, Mm. people, we talk about the why, like, why are you doing what you're doing? For me, my why and my why not are my kids. And each time that I got pregnant or we expanded our family, it pushed me further and gave me intensity to reach this goal. So I was commuting from Brooklyn to New Jersey and, you know, it was an hour in my 20s. So I was fine with that Mm because, you know, I didn't have much to do anyway after work. So Mm -hmm. if it took me an hour to get home, fine. Then traffic patterns change and got married and we started a family. And so now I'm thinking, like, I don't want it to take now an hour and a half, like to get home where I'm going to get home at seven, eight o'clock every night. Mm. And then I, when am I going to see my kids and or husband, you know? So for me, I was so motivated to be able to quit my job. And I set myself on a seven year timeline when I found mm. out about the fire movement. Mm-hmm. That was my motivation then to leave my job. Mm-hmm. And start Journey to Launch eventually and do all these things. But, you know, my motivation now is still that. It's not as intense mm-hmm. because I've reached a place of comfort, which, by the way, you know, it's like a gift and a curse. Like having that commute and job I didn't love put a fire in me where I was much more intense. And, right. <laughs> and I, you know, was making much more external progress. Now I'm a bit more comfortable. And it's not a bad thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, I've slowed up a bit. Right. But I'm still motivated on my journey, I still want to reach financial independence because while I love doing what I do, I would love to, if someone called me or, you know, I had a podcast to put out and I really don't feel like doing it, still be in integrity, not just like bail on people, but to say, you know what, I just, just not feeling it right now. I didn't want to take a few months off and I could do that now, but I really, I mean, really do it from a place of, I never really have to work again. So that what, that's what motivates me is thinking about staying true to what I see as financial independence, even Mm -hmm. though I do have freedom now and flexibility Mm -hmm. to know that I would love complete freedom Mm -hmm. from anything and anyone and feeling obligated to make any money. When you set that seven-year goal, right, you decided you didn't want to have that hour and a half long commute. And so you set a seven-year goal. What did you do? What, What was the first thing that you did in order to put yourself on the path to that goal? What happened during those seven years? Yeah. So I explained the beginning part of my journey. I I was an observer of and consumer of content Uh to learn the strategies. This is where my commute became my... Oh, educational. Yeah. I really believe everything that we've done and Mm -hmm. the things that we viewed as obstacles or annoyances has really become stepping stones to where we get to as the next level. Right. Because if it weren't for my commute and strenuous job and all this, I wouldn't have been motivated as much to seek out financial independence. Mm. And if it weren't for my long commute, I wouldn't have had all the time to listen to all the podcasts that I used to listen to on one and a half speed. Uh (laughs) Your podcast was one of them, by the way learning and listening and immersing myself in this world. And so that's where the mindset came in for me. Like I I already had a can-do mindset <laughs> based on seeing what my mom was able to do. But it really, the immersing myself in this world and listening to various people with various mm-hmm. starting points and incomes and backgrounds, say to myself, you know what? This teacher just, you know, has a million dollar portfolio why can't I do that? You know, mm-hmm. I make good income. My husband makes good income. What's the, the, we can do better. And so a big part of the beginning when I first heard about financial independence was just observing. Mm-hmm. And then I think it, like a lot of people do, you know, you want to like put your, you want to like raise your hand and say something. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to have a conversation or add to the conversation, which is where Journey to Launch came in. And so I started as a blog and then did the podcast. And it was at that point I wanted to share what I was doing. I was applying the things I was learning. So, wow, my husband as a teacher, he can invest in two pre-tax retirement accounts, a 457 and a 403B. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. I can max out my retirement account. Let's do that. 
backdoor Roth IRAs. You know, we can't Heck directly yeah. contribute, but we can do that. And so I was learning all these cool things that I never knew before mm-hmm. and sharing that. And that's we in that two-year period when we were really intense, we were able to save and invest $169,000, paid off our consumer debt and made like significant progress. Mm. Then getting pregnant with my third, starting Journey to Launch by then maybe was, you know, a couple years in, but realized that there was an opportunity to pursue financial independence in a different way. Mm. Before I thought I had to work in this job and, you know, it's guaranteed income, quote, <laughs> and just save and invest half of it mm-hmm. and just bear through it. It's only like, I think at that point, maybe five years left, like you can do it. Right. And I was like, no, I cannot. I can't. Mm. At this point, I knew I was going to have three kids. So this commute journey to launch on the side, which was doing well. It wasn't making money, but it was growing in the sense of people finding me and connecting. And then this job that was pretty intense. Right. And so I came to the the, the decision that I need to set myself up to where I can quit this job and pursue financial independence in a way where if it takes longer, that's okay, because I've benefited from the freedom that financial Mm -hmm. independence would give me, meaning I can create my own schedule. I can spend more time with my kids or be there for pick up and drop off. We don't have to have two parents like who have to go outside the home to work, even though I'm still working, but mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier for everything that we were doing. And so my idea of how I would reach financial independence changed mm-hmm. because it was no longer about this, reaching it as fast as possible. It was about how do I enjoy it and make it sustainable? And if it takes me longer, if mm-hmm. the business doesn't do well, that's fine. But also, what if it's faster? Because the business does so well. <laughs> right. So it sounds to me as though you made the conscious decision to stay in that fourth stage, the stage of work flexibility for a longer period of time, rather than just like toughing it out in that previous stage so that you could hopscotch over to work optionality. Right. And also, if we had a lower guac level lifestyle, mm-hmm. we would be financially independent. Mm if we had a one or two or desired to do that. Right. We don't. Right. <laughs> you know, we're leaning actually more into spending mm-hmm. money. And especially, at, you know, my kids are nine, seven and five. We mm-hmm. live in New York City. Mm-hmm. And my husband, like he is great, but he's not as he's not in te- he's not sitting around doing budgets with me or into it as much. Right. Right. Versus, like if you had two partners that were like, uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm not even into it as much in terms of like taking and tying all the numbers. Mm. You know, I, my perspective has changed so much. So for me, if we had a lower guac level lifestyle or if we were willing to make changes like move to somewhere low cost, we'd reach our financial independence goals. But I don't want to do that. He doesn't want to do that. And we're enjoying the way our life looks now. So I think that's also a big part of it, too. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing, like your hair, your net worth, I hope, your income, your investment portfolio, again, I hope, I hope. Hey, how about the revenue in the business that you run on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you just started or whether you've been in business for 10 years, whether you're selling accounting textbooks or windshield wiper repair kits, and whether you're selling in person or online. If you're online, know that Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can leverage AI with Shopify Magic, an AI-powered all-star. Now, what I like about Shopify is that it's there for you whether you are just beginning or whether you are doing your first million in revenue, your first dollar to your first million plus. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. They have award-winning help. And businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Paula, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Paula now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Paula. We've talked quite a bit about income and expenses, but when it comes to assets and liabilities, How should a person think through that? I mean, first, should the focus be on paying off liabilities or accumulating assets when when there's a trade-off between the two? Yes. So I am not one of those people who believes you should be completely out of debt before you invest. Mm -hmm. I think just the way your investments compound, you need the time. Mm -hmm. And so you might not be able to do as much if you're in debt, because I still recommend aggressively getting out of debt. 
as fast as possible, of course, along whatever timeline you've set, but you should be investing. When I talk to people who listen to my stuff or our followers, they say, okay, I'm more in like the cadet stage. I have a lot of debt. This has been an issue for me. And so what do I do? Should I invest still? Or, you know, it might take me two years, but then I have to really live at a guac level one or two versus if I take make it take longer. For most people, debt, while they can manage it, like they think they can manage it and just keep it, like why not? Is that once you get out of that stage, you have so much more flexibility and and you can direct your income where to go. Mm. And that feels good. You know, I talk about like tethers, like, you know, you have, we have all these financial tethers on, you know, if we're keeping in theme with my (laughs) friend, like with your rocket that's launching and you want your rocket to be light as possible Mm -hmm. and you want to be able to be flexible as possible in case your mind changes about something. So let's just say you're listening and and you, you like all of a sudden you don't like your job, maybe this boss or coworkers or your mind changes about something. If you're able to become financially flexible and you got rid of debt, and you, 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 it's no longer necessarily an issue for you, you can make quicker decisions or bigger decisions versus oh, I have this debt that I'm obligated to pay mm-hmm. or these fixed expenses that are so huge. And so I can't quit this job. Like I have to work in it for a few more years. So I just like to tell people to get ahead of that. Like before you come up where your back is against the wall mm-hmm. and you have to make a decision, start to manage and think about what you want your debt payoff journey to look like. Mm-hmm. Right. And you you talked about fixed expenses. So let's go into that because there's a distinction between fixed versus variable expenses. And it often gets conflated with mandatory versus discretionary spending. Mm-hmm. So much of the time in personal finance conversations, I hear people use fixed expenses and mandatory expenses interchangeably. But in fact, they're actually quite different. Yeah. I mean, you can have fixed and mandatory and then fixed and non-mandatory expenses. Like it's really important to take a good look at your overall finances, right? Mm -hmm. And like look at the categories. Mm. And so, you know, the assessment when people are starting their journey is like, okay, so how much am I spending? Right. That's the basis of getting your budget together and writing the categories out. And of course we have the mandatory things that are usually fixed that we have to pay like rent or mortgage. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, we go down the line and we write them all out. And so I know typically we'll say in the personal finance space, you know, look at the non, the discretionary stuff and see what you can cut out because, you know, it's more important to focus on the mandatory. Mm -hmm. But also like some of your mandatory fixed expenses can also be reduced. Right. Maybe not initially right away, but and maybe takes more effort. Like, you know, telling someone just sell your home or move is not as easy of a decision to make. Right. Like Some people can make those choices. I have a friend. She can change jobs, move cities like that. And so she's been able to do a lot of amazing things with her finances because of that. Someone like me, despite having this can-do attitude, I really am slow to make changes like that. Mm. That's why I stayed at my job so long. Even despite the commute, I love love routine. I like being comfortable. Right. And so looking at expenses in that way is really breaking down. Just because something is fixed doesn't mean it can't be reduced or changed. Mm. But you also have to be realistic with your your ability to make big changes like that. Right, right. And that almost reminds me of a different use of the term fixed, which is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, the mindset and habits, but the mindset, I think, is the key piece here Mm -hmm. to this entire conversation, to the ability to reach financial independence. Because if you don't believe that you can, Mm -hmm. then why would you even start? You have to have some sort of inkling or belief in yourself that something else can be possible. So with the fix and growth mindset, you know, and I see it definitely, it's in my face every day having kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're now playing sports and seeing, you know, the difference in their behavior or attitude on whether it's on the court or what their abilities are, if they think they can't do something versus if they think they can. Mm. I'm like, okay, how do I instill what the mindset that I, my mom was able to give me and I developed, how can I give that to my children, you know, where they don't take on their failures as a part of their armor? You mm-hmm. know, it's just an event that happened that they can learn from. Or how can they look at their success or their hard work as the carrot, not necessarily the, the end result? Mm-hmm. My kids, you know, they're taking tests and doing all this stuff now. 
And my son, he was having a hard time studying. So he was giving up. He kind of had a bad attitude about it. And so, you know, I told him, you know, let's keep going because you do have a test on this. And then he started to get excited and I was ready to be done. And he was like, let's keep going. And he was, he was excited to study. And I said, there it is. I was like, that's what I want. Like, I don't actually care if you don't do well on this test, because I know that you, you're putting in the work to get better. You're right. putting in the effort. And I think that's in general with our journeys is that we don't always know what the end will look like. Things are going to happen, put us maybe back journey or stages or off course, but we can mark our effort. And so having a growth mindset to help prepare ourselves mm -hmm. for what we can not always prepare ourselves for is essential to staying on the journey. Hmm. What can a person do if they recognize that they want to, uh, to adopt a mindset that's more conducive to success, but they know that their natural tendency is to fall into these modalities of thinking that are a little, you know, Eeyore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look at your life currently and what you've been able to accomplish. Not necessarily, don't compare it against, you know, someone else and you're like, well, that's not an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this or watching this, you, you accomplish something, right? Mm -hmm. And so look for evidence of you succeeding at something mm. through effort. Mm. Most people have succeeded from childhood to doing something as an adult, right? right? Like there are things my kids cannot do now that I know they will be able to do as an adult. I also say do some low stakes things to help boost your, your confidence in yourself. So for me, one of the things that I did was I, you know, I was taking gym classes mm -hmm. and I usually didn't like going to the step class because I thought the steps just looked too complicated. Right. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to look too silly. And I was like, you know what? Let me just try it. And right. the first day, like I could not like get it. Yeah. But I said to myself, okay, a win is just showing back up. Mm -hmm. and not feeling too embarrassed that you can't do this. Like, who cares? Mm. And after a few weeks, I was getting some of the steps that in the beginning I had no clue how to do. And it just was reinforcement that here's something low stakes that you do. And I think as adults, you know, kids go through it every day. They're trying, they're learning something new. I think as adults, we get into routines and we stop that. Mm. And so we come against a challenge. It's easier to just to just not do it right. versus putting ourselves in positions where we are challenging ourselves making it low stakes and making it almost like, you know, something you can achieve, something simple that you can go through and then give yourself credit for to boost your mindset. You know, in addition to mindset, the, the two force multipliers, one is mindset, the other is habits. What kind of habits would a person ideally be building? There are the things we do every day that we don't know or don't consider as habits just because it's so routine, you know, right. brushing our teeth, it's a habit. Um, so when it comes to our money, Right. There are things that depending on your journey or stage, you may have to develop as habits, maybe more than someone further along. So, for example, like if you are in the, the explorer or cadet stage, you very well need to have a habit of budgeting mm. because you want to be able to direct your money to get you out of these stages so that you can you know, have more flexibility and options in your life at the later stages. And so a budget for people is a habit, whether it is, you know, pen and paper or Google Sheets or an app, mm. I think is extremely important. And it's not just enough to have a budget, right? It's to create a habit around your budget. Mm. So it's not enough to create it that one time, <laughs> but it's what is your habit on going back and reconciling and seeing if you did what you said you do and helping it inform you to make decisions moving forward, right? And so I know uh, people sometimes struggle with that habit. Like, okay, I made my budget, but I haven't been following it. So right. how do you check in and make the habit of checking your budget or having that conversation with your partner in gang or sticking to a budget? You know, automating things. So the good thing about money is a lot of things now can be automated. So, you know, this habit of saving and investing. I know someone who said they actually like the um, feeling of clicking and doing it manually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes them feel really good. And I was like, okay, that's, that's great. As long as you keep doing it, but you can automate the habit of directly sending that money into your investment account or to your saving account where you don't have to think about that habit as much. Right. So, you know, I'd say those are like the very important ones, the basics for people the budgeting habit and then reconciling the budget and sticking to it. Mm -hmm. And then the saving and investing habit. Mm, right. Are there any habits that you think are overrated? <laughs> mm -hmm. I know I'm going to seem like I'm contradicting myself okay? <laughs> because 
budgeting, yeah, while very important, like I said, I think depending on your personality type, mm-hmm. your journey or stage, because you might need a bit more uh, guardrails in place to help you mm-hmm. so that you can move forward. My personality, right, in the beginning, because I wanted to leave my job and I was so intense, the but I checked my budget every day. Right. It's very important because I was like, I need all this. I need this money so I can quit. Right. Today, the commander Jamila versus mm-hmm. the cadet Jamila is different about a budget. I feel fine about that. I don't take and tie every number. I don't want to sit down and look at a budget every day. Mm. And so for me personally, the budget is overrated. Mm. But that is a individual decision based on my preference. And because I am not so far along in my journey, because you can be far along in your journey and fall off because you don't have certain things in place. But because I've set up another system or a system that works, we're, we're still hitting our investing goals and we're still able to live the life we want to live. And so that's a signal for me that we're doing okay. Mm. And so for a lot of people, I actually think, I hope that that gives some light at the end of the tunnel because not everyone likes to budget. And so when they think about having to start this journey and the first thing they have to do is budget and take and tie numbers, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I'm here to say, you don't have to do it forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and some people love it. I have people who make a lot of money and are financially independent and they still tick and tie every number, but mm-hmm. they they get joy out of that. Right. So that's where that per- your personality and what you need that would depend on that. But it's really something that you can choose to almost just like a tool. Mm. You you learned it, you know how to do it, but you can choose if you want to apply it to your finances and to your journey at a certain point. Right. So it sounds to me as though when you're in the earlier stages of financial freedom, when you're in the explorer stage or the cadet stage, that's a time when perhaps it's necessary. And when you're in the later stages, when you're already work flexible or work optional, at that point, it becomes budget optional as well. Yeah. More things become optional, but yeah. Mm, Nice. Now, a big theme of what we've been talking about is tying together your financial goals with your life goals. And I know you took inspiration from a man by the name of George Kinder, who asked three very critical questions when it comes to clarifying those life goals. Can you describe that? Yes. The questions that George Kinder asked people to think about are and helps them see like how far off you know of their life goals are they are they living if taking money out kind of out of the the equation is the first question is ask yourself if you did have all the money and financial security you wanted what would you be doing mm-hmm. like what would be different about your life like hypothetically if money was not uh if you had unlimited money yes that's a fun exercise it is very fun it's yeah like the world is your oyster all the guacamole. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then the second question is, like, say you went to the doctor and you only had five to 10 years left to live. How, what would you do differently? And so even the first question talks more about your lifestyle. Like, what do you want your, like, because it's asking you, what do you want your life to look like without the the barrier of not having money? Mm-hmm. And so the second question now is, gives you more of a time constraint of you only have five or 10 years left to live. Mm. What would you do differently? Like mm-hmm. in your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then the third question is, if you went to the doctor and they said you only had, I think it was 24 hours left to live, what would you have regretted that you didn't do or what would you want to do? But really, like, it's the regrets. What did you wish you did? Mm. And I think, you know, thinking about it in that way really brings to a head, I think, a conflict that a lot of us have is that, you know, we need to work or at least have money to pay for our basic necessities and also to fund like a life that we love and mm-hmm. we enjoy. And so what does that look like and what have we not been doing, right? What's that internal dream that we may have let die out or pushed aside because or you know we need to be practical and we have a mortgage and kids now. Right. For anyone going through that exercise it gives them um, some pause to see, okay, so now that I'm on my journey intentionally What can I pull from those answers to have a more complete or full life? Mm, Right. With the second and third question, which are time limited, in those questions, is money hypothetically also limited? Are you living within your current means? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. I think that's the way he phrased it. And I'm sure one of your listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I think that's also from what I remember in the book and the reference, like it, money, I think for the 24 hour, you didn't have like, I don't think it was even uh, brought up. Which is interesting because it shows you like how little money matters at the end or when you have con- 
the time. Right. It also shows you why time is the most valuable resource. Right. Because, you know, money, they print money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but time, you don't you don't get that back. Yeah. Based on as as people go through and, and reflect on the way that they would answer those questions, you know, what would you do with unlimited money? What would you do with highly limited time? Right. Those are fundamentally those questions. As people go through and reflect on those, they then come up with you know, a list of, of values, of priorities, and those values and priorities get translated into goals. Some of these, I know you characterize as lead domino goals, and the other ones are gap goals. Can you explain the difference between the two? So this ties back to the FI formula that we talked about earlier, where, you know, you have your income minus your expenses equals this gap. So there should be something left over. And I do differentiate between your mandatory and discretionary expenses in this formula mm-hmm. so that you can you can really optimize the gap and then choose what you do with the money left over. So you can choose to now look at your financial goals of buying assets or building up assets and then reducing liabilities and then discretionary expenses. So when we're thinking about our financial goals, they typically fall into the categories of we want to pay down debt, we want to save for, you know, something we want to do like a trip, and then we want to buy assets or invest. Mm. And so I consider those the gap goals, meaning they happen like in the gap, Mm -hmm. in the formula. But those goals are possible because of the domino lead goals, which are your income goals and expense goals. Mm -hmm. So the other goals don't, really happen unless you work on your income and or expenses. Mm. How else will you get the money to accomplish those other goals that the gap goals? Right. And so you can have, you know, just an income goal, but just having an income goal without tying it to a gap goal can put you on a cycle where you don't know your enough point, because at this point, you're just, you want to earn money just for the sake of earning money. But right. What, what are you earning money for? Are you earning it because you want to buy a nice car or are you earning more because you want to pay down this debt faster or you want to have X amount in your investment accounts by, you know, at the end of a couple of years? Right. And so knowing kind of what the gap goal is and how it ties back to the domino goal, that lead goal that helps make the, all the goals possible mm. also helps you figure out what that enough point is. Mm, right, right. So income and and expenses are those lead dominoes. Yeah. And then the the gap goals are really the the why. They kind of answer the the that question of all right, what am I making money for or what am I cutting back? Why am I cutting back? Right, because when you're not thinking about it in this way or consciously, you just you you may be working harder than you need to. Right. <laughs> or putting more effort than necessary because really if you took a full picture and look at everything. It's like, you're actually not that far off from your goals, but you just haven't set this intention and understood what was enough for you. And then, you know, you're doing too much now. Speaking of uh, unlimited money and highly limited time, we are, (laughs) we are coming to the end of our time. Are there any things that you want to emphasize? Any concepts that I haven't asked about? Uh, What would you like to leave this community with? Yeah, you know, I want to share just an anecdote or experiment that I referenced in the book because mm-hmm. I thought it was so powerful when I first heard it. And I thought it really, I hope, um, gives some motivation and inspiration to someone listening who kind of feels like they should be further along or doing something. Things should be working faster for them. So there was this uh, biosphere experiment mm-hmm. where in a like, you know, in a, in a biodome, they recreated the environment and basically it was just like trees and you know, bushes and just all these things. It was like the largest biosphere. I forgot what uh, state it's in. Mm-hmm. But in the biosphere uh, experiment, the biodome, they had an issue with the trees because in this biodome, there's no wind. Mm-hmm. So the trees grew and they grew fast. They never grew to maturity. Uh-huh. They always fell over because what helps trees right. be strong is stress wood. Right. Stress wood is developed through wind. Mm. And because the trees never experienced wind, they grew faster, but they also died or fell over before they right. reached their full potential. And so I, when I first heard that, I'm like, that is, that is so like the journey of, so, of all of us where we want things to be faster and don't understand why things are happening and ah, like this is not working out. But whatever is making you grow slower is often making you grow stronger. Mm. 
and ensuring that you reach your full potential. Mm. So I just want to leave people with that hopefully uh, motivating fact right. or at least story. Right. The headwinds make you grow stronger. That that makes total sense to me. I, I grow uh, plants indoors. You know, I've, I've, like my apartment is just full of plants. Oh, you need to come teach me because all my plants, like they're dying. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, but one of the things that I do is if I can see that a plant is a little bit weak, I will point a fan at it Mm. and I'll just, you know, point a fan at a plant to, to strengthen it. Right. Because I know that that little bit of, of wind is going to help it grow strong. So, you know, that, that absolutely makes sense. A hurricane will blow it over but the right amount of, of wind resistance, the right amount of headwinds will actually make it grow much stronger than it otherwise would have. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for spending this time with us. Where can people find you and where can they find your book? Yeah. So my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, A Step-by-Step Guide to Achieving Wealth and Happiness. It is available everywhere right now, hopefully, um, Mm -hmm. when you're listening to this. And you can go to yourjourneytofinancialfreedom.com to see all the places you can buy it. I have a free course that I'm giving out for everyone who buys a hard copy, but you can get it on Amazon bookshop.org to support your local bookstores, Barnes and Nobles, Target everywhere. And then you can follow me at Journey to Launch. I'm there on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok, although I'm not there as much. <laughs> but um, and say hi. Mm, nice. Nice. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. I do want to say, Paula, thank mm-hmm. you for being also a light for me. Aww. When I first started my journey, you were one of the voices that stood out And I saw what was possible by listening and following your work. So it's a pleasure to be sitting here with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jamila. What are three key takeaways that we got from this conversation? Number one, you know that age old debate of whether it's better to pay off debt versus invest? It's true that the weight of debt can feel crushing and many people for emotional reasons want to get rid of their debt right away. They want it eradicated. Jamila takes a position on this uh, debate. She is opposed to rushing to pay off your debt. And she explains why. I am not one of those people who believes you should be completely out of debt before you invest. Mm -hmm. I think just the way your investments compound, you need the time. Mm -hmm. And so you might not be able to do as much if you're in debt, because I still recommend aggressively getting out of debt as fast as possible, of course, along whatever timeline you've set, but you should be investing. So to be clear, Jamila does recommend aggressively paying off your debt, but she doesn't believe that you need to be debt-free in order to invest. And so in that age-old debate of should I pay off debt versus invest, you don't necessarily need to pay off your debt as a precursor to investing. Key takeaway number two. Many of us want to reach financial independence or reach financial freedom, but we feel stuck. And sometimes this can be attributed to mindset. Jamila talks about the importance of having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset and why this is absolutely critical as a building block in your journey towards building wealth. She also shares a mental process that can help you develop a growth mindset. The mindset, I think, is the key piece here Mm. to this entire conversation, to the ability to reach financial independence. Because if you don't believe that you can, Mm -hmm. then why would you even start? You have to have some sort of inkling or belief in yourself that something else can be possible. She also recommends looking back at your life for evidence of times that you've grown, times that you've succeeded, times that you've done well. That evidence can help anchor the mindset that you want to develop. Look at your life currently and what you've been able to accomplish. Not necessarily, don't compare it against, you know, someone else and you're like, well, that's not an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this or watching this, you you accomplished something, right? Mm -hmm. And so look for evidence of you succeeding at something Mm. through effort. So that is the second key takeaway. Finally, key takeaway number three is a three-parter. There are three questions that Jamila recommends you ask yourself if you want to decide to figure out 
if you are on the right path in your life? The first question is ask yourself, if you did have all the money and financial security you wanted, what would you be doing? Mm -hmm. Then the second question is, like, say you went to the doctor and you only had five to 10 years left to live. How, what would you do differently? And then the third question is, if you went to the doctor and they said you only had, I think it was 24 hours left to live, what would you have regretted that you didn't do? Those are three key takeaways from this conversation with Jamila Soufrant, a certified financial education instructor, the host of the Journey to Launch podcast, and the author of a great book called Your Journey to Financial Freedom. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jamila. Please share your feedback, your comments, your questions, what resonated with you. Share it with this community. There are a number of ways that you can do that. If you're listening on Spotify, there's a section on Spotify where you can record what you thought of each specific episode. So open up Spotify and leave a comment on this episode in Spotify to talk about what you thought of it. If you're not on Spotify, or if you are and you want more ways to connect with the community, go to affordanything.com slash community. This is our community. It lives on a platform called Mighty Networks, which is outside of all other social media. It's not a Facebook group. It's not, you know, you're not going to get distracted by social media. It's a community that lives on its own where you can connect with other like-minded people who are in similar situations. Maybe you want to talk to people about New Year's goals or about getting out of debt or about retirement or about sending your kids to college or sending yourself to college, whatever it is that you want to discuss. There are people in this community who are just like you, who are going through the same types of things that you're going through. And it's a, just a great place for support. Absolutely free. Affordanything.com slash community. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Paula Pant. This is the Afford Anything podcast, and I'll catch you in the next episode.